0: It's time to get intentional about your vision so you can create lasting change in your community. Learn the skills and strategies you need to become the grant writer the world needs. Let's do this. Hey friends, I hope you came ready to learn today because we have another grant writer strategy session and this is packed full of good stuff. If you are thinking about grant writing or if you are a grant writer and you just don't know how to move forward, this is the episode for you. Pay attention, be ready to take notes because we have so much that we cover in this. Everything from imposter syndrome to how to find resources for board members and where to connect with networking groups with other grant writers all kinds of good stuff. We also talk about several other resources and past podcast episodes, which I'll link to in the show notes so that you have everything you need right there and you can just click through easily also now and then i have a freebie to go along with my episodes i've recently put all those into one spot so that you can just sign in once and you have access to everything instead of having to go back through and try to find each episode you can find that at teresahuffcom learn and look for the freebie vault there all right let's get started Today, the strategy session is with my guest, Alex Enns. Alex has a Master of Public Administration degree, and she completed her Bachelor of Arts in Rhetoric, Writing, and Communications in 2015. As you'll hear, she has quite the extensive background. Alex currently works as a policy analyst in the economic development sector, and she's also a volunteer grants, policies, and procedures officer for a new nonprofit that will provide addiction recovery services. Alex finds joy in motivating others to embrace their unique stories and crafting effective messages to help nonprofits achieve their missions. Since 2014, she's been involved in mental health advocacy, including educational campaigns and workshops, especially for youth. In her spare time, she loves to write poetry, watch films, take her dog for walks, and tutor students at Wayfinders, an after-school program for youth. Here we go. Enjoy. Alex, welcome to the show. Today we have Alex Enns, and she has a lot of great nonprofit experience and some volunteer experience that's really interesting. And so we're going to talk more about that and her journey today and how she can become a grant writer. Alex, welcome. Tell us
1: a little bit about yourself. Yes, thanks for having me on the show, Teresa. I really appreciate it. Um, So I live all the way up in Canada. I believe you're in Missouri and the States there. Um, And I live in the middle of Canada in a place called Winnipeg, small city, but uh, feels bigger. And I did my undergrad in uh, rhetoric and communications. So the art of persuasion, if you will. Um, And then I did my master's in uh, public administration. I'm kind of called myself a jack of all trades or a Jill trades, if you will, because I've always been really interested in social services but I never necessarily wanted to work in the front line all the time. I kind of save that for volunteering. I don't really want to burn out. And I'm also just always been so in love with writing. Um, So my background um, is mostly in policy and communications, but then I've also done some mental health awareness speaking for youth and some health promotion stuff through university um, and also some health research. So I'm kind of all over the place and, uh, Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that's great. I'm
0: thinking through some of these things you're saying and the combination. I know you feel probably a little scattered by saying you're agile of all trades, but what I'm hearing is you're good at writing. You have a degree in communications. Mm -hmm. You like working with nonprofit causes, policy and volunteering. And you also like behind the scenes where you don't necessarily want the front lines all the time. Yes. So, To me, that is an ideal combination right there for becoming a grant writer Mm. because you can have an impact on all those areas. I would say being a good writer is pretty important. (laughs) (laughs) You can learn writing and develop that as a skill. But if you already have a good handle on the mechanics of writing itself, then that's a big plus. It makes your job that much easier because you're not trying to learn the basics of how to be a good writer, plus nuances of grant writing. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's definitely my comfort zone. I guess the less my less of my comfort zone is knowing even where to start and making sure I'm speaking a grant writer's language um, and tailoring that to that, and even just reaching out to potential clients to work with. Really. Right. You've worked. You said with some nonprofits already, and it
0: sounds like kind of in the same type of areas, like the after-school program for youth yeah. and some mental health areas. Mm-hmm. And so is that an area that you feel particularly
1: compelled and interested in working with? as clients? 100%. All my papers in my undergrad, my master's have always been about youth mental health promotion, and educating them on mental health, uh, decreasing stigma, um, talking about access to supports, trying to get them to engage in AFI for better mental health supports in Canada. So yeah, that's definitely my number one. I love school as well. So yeah, tutoring and mentoring an after school program. I love that part of my life. Like, it's so fulfilling. And I think young people are so great. So yeah, I would love to get try and get money for these initiatives. (laughs) Right. Then it sounds like you already have a specific
0: type of nonprofit, which is helpful. I mean, with the sea of grants and the sea of nonprofits out there, yeah. it's really helpful to start narrowing down. Yeah. <laughs> and my goodness, those papers you mentioned and the research you've done, mm-hmm. that's already going to be a good springboard for grant writing because a lot of grants is being able to dig and do that research mm-hmm. and compile that effectively in a compelling way. So mm. by having already done some of that, that's going to be really helpful as you're putting together grant proposals, because number one, you know the process, you understand how to do that. Yeah. The research isn't going to be overwhelming for you. That's true. I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, and some of it may apply to the grants that you're writing. Yeah. If you're working on a grant for mental health for an after-school program mm-hmm. for kids and you can pull from your research already yep. or you know which sources to go to, mm-hmm. that's going to cut your time down. Your learning curve is going to be a little shorter because of that. That's true.
1: Yeah, I've always wondered if it's if it's bad to have a niche in grant writing or if At the beginning, you should just take whatever work you can get. Like, I was wondering about that. It's kind of like a business. And really, you are kind of starting your own consulting business, essentially, Mm -hmm.
0: if you're doing it this way. But if you just started selling anything and everything... You're not going to be that identifiable if you're mm-hmm. starting a store, but if you sell a very specific thing, like if you sell boats and that is what you do and that is what you known for, then when people mm-hmm. need a boat, they're going to come to you. They're going to know yeah. that you are the specialty. You're the expert in that. You're the one to talk to rather than the store that sells everything and is, has a little bit of everything, but mm-hmm. not really a great quality of anything. That makes sense. Yeah. So because you already know that area mm-hmm then I think that would be a great place to start to really narrow down to that specific because there are so many nonprofits out there just in that area, True, yeah. just for youth and after school and mental health. And there's no way one person can write all of them. No. So that already helps you narrow down the pool of what to look for. That's Otherwise point. it is kind of overwhelming. Yeah,
1: that's. thank you for that. Cause sometimes I, I worry because I don't have direct frontline experience besides like my volunteering, I don't have professional experience in it. So sometimes I worry that I won't be taken seriously. I always feel I guess I have that type A personality where I feel like, oh, I need ABC in order to provide value. Um, Hmm. So I, I think just bringing that up, like my research skills itself and my familiarity with it will make me more trustworthy to these potential clients, right? Yes. Mm
0: -hmm. And I mean, goodness, you have a master's degree in what complicated thing was that? Public (laughs)
1: administration. Public administration and (laughs) policy, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yes, and a Bachelor of Arts in Rhetoric, Writing, and Communications. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I like that right there. Sounds impressive. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So, I mean, between your degrees and your actual nonprofit experience, Mm -hmm. uh, volunteering in a nonprofit is working on the front lines. Maybe. You haven't been in the management but you've been involved with one. So mm-hmm. to me, it sounds like a little bit of imposter syndrome, which we all oh, have. God. I mean, I still have it to this day. I'm sure people like still? CEOs of the companies.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. You still have it and you just have this amazing business. Oh bad, <laughs> it never goes away. It's <laughs> just very therapeutic. Yes. <laughs>
0: Right. Oh, definitely. Part of it is it's overwhelming because you can never know everything about everything. Even if you've chosen one specific field, I'm never going to know all there is to know about grants. Mm. But... I've learned, I know a lot, and I also know who to ask or where to go to find out if I don't have the answers. Exactly. So, with you, yeah, you may not know all about nonprofits yet, but you're going to learn mm-hmm. and you're going to know where to have the tools, where to go to find out. And you can be upfront with them and just say, I have this much experience mm-hmm. working with a nonprofit. I've done this and this. I have a master's in this. Yep. I am pivoting to add grant writing mm-hmm. to my skill set you know, just be upfront that these are your first few you grants and that you're getting some experience with that. Mm-hmm. You can be open about that, but don't discount or undersell yeah. the experience you do have. Mm-hmm. Because I think once you get into it, I want to go out on a limb and say, you may feel like you've come home oh, really? <laughs> with, what you, <laughs> with what you've told me about researching. And yeah. I see your eyes light up about all this stuff about youth and mental health mm-hmm. and things you're saying you may just get into it and be like,
1: yes, this is exactly how I can use my skills. Yes. And that's why I was kind of excited that you were offering this because I'm so nervous to just like step in, but this is such a great way to um, converse about it. And I find the more you talk about what you love, the more it becomes clear. Yes, And if it's just in your head, you just sit at home and wonder about it and, that's been really fruitful for me by I I joined a nonprofit board. I did offer my services for free. And I said, I just really want to get into this. And they did give me a chance. We didn't get the funding, but What a great exercise. So thank you for the boost of confidence. (laughs)
0: That's a great way to start.
1: Yeah. And,
0: you know, I had written grants for several years before I was asked to be on a nonprofit board too. And it was a new nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So I was on there several years. And over the course of that time, I got to see how it grew and how it shifted from the brand new all hands on deck into more of the governing mm-hmm. type leadership of the board, and so that was a whole different perspective yeah. than what I had ever had as a grant writer alone. Wow! So that's really great experience there too, and it's good that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's definitely a good piece because I think you have more experience
1: than you realize. Uh, yeah, with nonprofit. Yeah, my friends would probably say the same Huge <laughs> imposter Houston- <laughs> syndrome, uh, but it's just good to hear from <laughs> someone. Experience to know that it might be the right path for me. And it's funny, you said you started with a startup nonprofit. Mine is also a startup nonprofit. We're just starting to get going. And I want to be that success story. I want to help them from the ground up. And I am learning a lot about board governance that I had no idea before because I was always as a volunteer or on the other side of things. So, yeah, it is definitely a very good experience. Right. And
0: I've been able to help nonprofits as a consultant in other ways than just grant writing because of that oh. experience and the board training that I had done mm. during that time and from other experiences too. But now I can offer more than just the grant writing piece. And so I could see where yours could develop into that too. Yeah. Maybe a nonprofit isn't ready for grants yet, but they could use some board training Yeah, or something along those lines that you could offer as another type of service and in the meantime you're still learning your grant writing skills Mm and building those up but that gives you another source of income option
1: yeah that makes sense i always just think very like directly like grant writing why would they want me for anything else
0: yeah and that can shift to where you're more of the grant consultant type Mm -hmm. of role yeah you know a little broader or if you're some people are really good at social media Mm -hmm. so maybe they specialize in social media for nonprofits. yeah while they're learning grant writing
1: yeah that I did use social media for a magazine before so okay. I have a little bit of that in there I have website development like I've I, I'm i telling you okay Jill of all trades like I've just dabbled and I guess that adds to the imposter syndrome it's the the fact that I've dabbled so much but I've I feel like I haven't committed although a master's degree is quite the commitment <laughs> so is. I'd hope that show for something I, I'm quite early in my career too so part of my fear is being that young person and they're like, well, I don't know anything. Like, what are you, (laughs) what are you doing here? Like we'll find someone that's established, but then I, it must be appealing uh, if I can offer a lower rate at first, as I'm learning for a nonprofit, like everyone's strained for money right now. I do wonder how COVID-19 would impact your work at this time because everyone's struggling. Right. The clients that I've worked with so far, we've
0: still kind of kept up our same type of programs. Mm -hmm. Some of their stuff has shut down a little bit, but as far as the grant funding, we're still applying and there is a lot of emergency COVID funding out there available for nonprofits that wasn't before. So there is more grant opportunity If you wanted to write those specifically to help nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So, that piece of it too, sometimes they just don't know where to look, they have no idea where to even start? Is this a good opportunity for us or not? Mm -hmm. Kind of deer in the headlights. So if they have an expert to come in and say, let's look at your situation and evaluate what opportunities might be good for you, Mm -hmm. then I think they would welcome that help. Yeah, of course. The main thing is just to start, just to start trying Mm -hmm. it. And you can always adjust and you don't have to do it the same way with every new client that comes along. Say you work with one client, for a certain agreement and you decide, you know, I didn't really like that. That was too long or that wasn't long enough. So the next client you adjust Mm. it and you try it a little different until you find what works well
1: for both of you, the trial period of sorts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I've done that. I've worked with clients for, I think we did, was it a three month or a six month contract? just to kind of test the waters. Mm -hmm. And so when I came back to them and said, our contract's about up, what would you like to do? And they said, let's just do the 12 months.
1: (laughs) They didn't, they were good, they were
0: clear. They were like, sign us up, keep going. Oh, that's great, yeah. So you work hard, you help them, you show that you're sincere and you care about what they're doing and
1: Mm -hmm.
0: they'll be sold. Great,
1: (laughs) that sounds good to me. As I said, I am working with a, a startup nonprofit in addictions. A huge struggle when you're trying to get funding for a highly stigmatized topic is selling that the public will be supportive of this and making sure that that, I guess, the the person you're seeking funds from really sees the value of what you're doing. Do you have any tips on really selling the company's mission and maybe if is research like heavy research required like how long would you spend on a grant that's complex like that depends how big the grant is if you're talking
0: a small local foundation grant that's going to be a lot less than if you're talking about a big government grant that takes weeks and weeks yeah so it could be anywhere from a few hours to a few weeks depending on the complexity and the depth of the grant. Mm-hmm. So a couple questions first, just to clarify how new, when you say startup, how new is the nonprofit?
1: It's very new, I'd say, because we're waiting for a uh, charitable status. Here in Canada, you have to have approval from the federal government to be registered as a charity in order to get grant funding. So right now we're waiting for that. Like We've submitted the application um, and it usually takes six months to process. So we'll be getting some sort of answer in March, maybe. And I'm wanting to be ready for when that happens. So we're working on a business plan right now. Basically, we're at that step where we're trying to make the case. So when a grant does come out, we have something to pull from in order to get started as soon as possible, really. Okay. And are you serving clients yet? No, not yet. So we're literally trying to start this organization. Like We need capital funding corporate funding um, in order to get staff running and off the ground so it's it's a tricky spot to be in I would recommend that you or even your whole board listen
0: to my episode from a couple of weeks ago it's episode six on grant readiness okay and that goes through some of the first basic things that you need to have in mm-hmm. place before you start applying for grants. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to be frustrated and wasting a lot of time applying before you're ready. That doesn't mean you just give up on grants, but it means right now you're laying the foundation and doing some of that groundwork so that when you are ready for grants, you'll be ready to start that process at that time. Yeah. So it's a little soon yet. You need to have your approval in place. Mm -hmm. Just a quick recap of those things. Have your approval in place. You need to have multiple sources of income besides grant funding. Yeah. You need to be actively serving clients. Exactly. And ideally, you should also have been up and running for a year or two Mm -hmm. of actual serving clients for that long so that you can show the need show the numbers, and get some of that feedback from clients and show how you're changing lives.
1: Exactly, yeah. So it's a tricky spot. They say that you need that charitable status. And so it's like, okay, but how do we get started? We need that actual funding so that we can start providing service. And we want it to be good service. We don't want to be um, struggling for funds when we're trying to help people with their health and their lives, right? Right. So that's the end
0: goal in are there steps you can do to get to that end goal? Because you're talking Mm -hmm. a significant amount of money to get to that point to offer those. So is there something you can do now, number one, with fundraising and building Mm -hmm. connections in the community and generating donors and getting that support for the fundraising piece without grants? And number two, are there some kind of services you could be offering in the meantime Mm -hmm. to show the need, to show... That you've worked in this aspect, and then you're building up to being able to offer the rest.
1: Yeah, that is definitely something I talk about with our ED for sure. We are actively fundraising and um, seeking out donations, and that's another place I'm insecure about. Is I did do some fundraising when I would travel for mental health speaking, but. Again, COVID nineteen is really stressing people's pockets right now. So telling them like, okay, well, we need this, but COVID is this big looming monster um, and everyone's world. Their job security and their funds. So I'm dealing with wanting to become a grant writer, but I also need to work on my fundraising skills. Mm
0: -hmm. You could specialize in the grant writing or you could decide to do more of the fundraising aspect too. Mm -hmm. I've been involved with the local chapter of Association of Fundraising Professionals. They usually will let you visit a meeting or two without having to fully join. And you could see if it's beneficial and maybe they have online meetings right now. I don't know, but the one here, it keeps me aware of the fundraising world in general, not just grants. So it helps me kind of stay on top of some of those other things that I can help if my nonprofit has questions or I can take them a resource and say, hey, I heard about this. I think it would be great. That way I can kind of stay informed about some of those things.
1: Mm -hmm. So connecting to a network so that you can be aware of maybe funding opportunities and asking for help so basically built giving us a little bit of a support blankets for these times yes
0: definitely and sometimes they'll have ideas or specific workshops on how to do more fundraising in a virtual environment, or how to take your fundraising online. So they may have some specific tips for that, that you could tap into that might really work and look at your board members and their networks with the nonprofit itself. Yes. Keep looking in both directions. And it is hard when you're trying to juggle. Yeah. As far as the grant writing for the startup nonprofit, it's a little early for that. Yeah. You can be doing some of these other pieces. Mm-hmm. So for that one, specifically. I would hit the fundraising harder okay. on that. If you're trying to decide this is so much, what do I learn? Where do I start mm-hmm. for them specifically in your work? Your time would be better used on the fundraising piece because they're so new. Yeah, that makes sense. As far as you personally, then it's whichever direction you really enjoy and want to go. And if you wanted to look for actual grant writing clients, then you could certainly start doing that and maybe start with small grants You don't have to start with the huge government grants. Just start with something small. Find a nonprofit that would be a good fit with a local foundation or a small corporate grant that you could try out. You don't have to go after the great big ones that take weeks and weeks. Just start with one that takes a few hours just to learn the process and to know how it works and go through it and build your confidence. Yeah. And then you can go from there.
1: Yeah, that would be wonderful. If you want
0: to focus just on fundraising for now, you could. But if you're wanting to learn grant writing in the meantime, that would be a good way to do it because then you're still building your skill, but you don't have to take it on all at once. You can learn how the research pieces fit together and how important that is. Yeah. And also back to your question, you had asked about the mental health and the research and how to get people on board with that. With any grant, it's going to be a combination of the research and statistics and finding what's compelling, but then also the storytelling and being able to really tug at the heartstrings and explain why this is so compelling and how this is truly going to make a difference. So make it about how they can become involved in changing this family's life mm-hmm. or preventing these teens from becoming high school dropouts and on the streets or show the ultimate outcome of this teen will have a fulfilling life and a good job and on the right track as opposed to going the wrong direction. Paint a really compelling picture, but also give those hard statistics that just knock them right in the face with, wow, there's that many that this happens to of whatever idea you're looking at. Yeah, exactly.
1: I'm so jilled in the head of academia and and government and stick to professional language. Always but is there some room for a more emotional type language in small doses, of course, in your grant writing? And where would that be like in the introduction? Like that's something always I've always been curious about is how stat are you the whole time and where do you veer off? That's a really good question.
0: And having come from The education and academic background, I understand what you're saying because the research papers have to be very pristine, professional, impersonal. So I know what you're saying by that. There is a difference. Mm
1: -hmm. The
0: grant writing, there are different opinions on it. It's my opinion that it should still be very professional and clean writing, but also a little more... Mm -hmm. I don't want to say soft, that's not quite the right word, but not as strict and cold and clinical as research papers. Yeah, got you. And another piece is to write in active voice because in research papers, they teach you very beat around the bush and wordy and kind of superfluous language of you have to fill up 10 pages. So you make things as wordy as you can to meet that 10 page limit. Grant writing is not like that. It needs to be concise and compelling and saying something more like, with these funds, we will do this program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As opposed to, if you were to award this grant, we would be able to do this, this, and this. Yeah. As far as like the first and second and third person, I tend to keep it more professional unless it's like maybe a local foundation where I might say we once or twice like in the beginning or at the ending you know in the intro or conclusion Mm -hmm. of it but for the most part i keep it fairly third person of the center is working on this yeah the clients are doing this so i still keep it professional in that regard
1: yeah yeah it's a it's definitely a fine line you don't want to go soft as you say um but you you do want to make that compelling case very very clear and why it's so important Um, And I'm definitely used to using active voice because we have to use it constantly in government when we're writing briefing notes. It's like no, no beating around the bush. There's no room for that. Like I remember uh, transitioning from academic papers to government and it was quite jarring because I was used to just going around in circles and uh, I had to learn very quickly that that's not okay.
0: (laughs) Right. The wordier, the better in the academic world and the more concise, the better in grant writing and sounds like government. Yes, government is
1: just straight to the point. They don't have time to read any flounciness. So yeah, I was was definitely very interested when you've applied for government grants versus a local community center or like a bank, like how your language change when you're writing for those things.
0: Yes, I would say in those cases, the government grants, when I do those, it's a little more formal. Mm. And not that the others aren't, But the government grant would be a little closer to the research paper side of the spectrum. Yeah. While still telling a little bit of the qualitative and that personal story, but in more of a professional written like you would for a professional journal article or something. So the foundation, I tend to do it a little less strict maybe a little more of the storytelling type, but still very professional, but more like you're reading a book. Because ultimately, no matter what grant you're applying for, there's a person at the other end that has to read this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and the better a writer you are and the better story you tell with it, the more likely they're going to stay awake and actually pay attention
1: to what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> and that helps your chances exactly. of winning the grant. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing you want to be professional, but you also want to stand out against anyone else applying for the grant. So that's definitely nerve (laughs) wracking. And I found that my writing
0: gets better and better, even just my normal writing. Like if I were to write A personal story or something I had an assignment a couple years ago for a magazine and I had to write as if I were the family pet oh it was for this neighborhood magazine and so they sent me all these notes about their dog and I had to write the story as if I were the dog so funny that'd be so much fun though it was it was a blast I was like could I do more of these (laughs) and after writing grants it was so easy so refreshing yeah (laughs) Yes, like oh, I get to the
1: like oh. Dog voice. Yeah, yeah, that'd be so much fun. I would definitely. I think. I think the stellar grant writing. I love how it kind of marries the research world and that that emotional pull. Because when I'm in academia, you can't be completely emotional, but you also want to get to the point, and that's annoying when you can't because it just goes on and on. And I know that's also a part of the huge disconnect between policymakers and researchers, researchers want their research to be seen, but it's not able to be seen because it's buried in a paper and these senior decision makers don't have time to read 30 page papers. And they wouldn't understand it if they did. Exactly. And then they'll get it wrong. So I guess I'm wondering when you've included research in your grants, in what format do you provide that research um, to make sure you don't lose the focus of whoever's reading it? Right. That's a great question.
0: It really depends on the research and on the grant and on the flow. I do it in different formats. And sometimes I try to vary it, especially if it's a long grant. Mm -hmm. And so I may explain it in a narrative, but then I might also show it in a visual, like Mm -hmm. a line graph or a bar graph or some kind of chart. Yeah, And I may play with it, you know, how in Word or in whichever program you use, you can try out different types of graphs and charts. Sometimes I'll play around with it until I get one that looks really nice and clear and really shows the difference yeah. of like how much it's grown or how how high the statistics are or whatever it is. Other times I've used a table if I'm trying to show like different counties or different percentages over time and the change of that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I try to vary it up like that and the visuals are good if they're allowed. Yeah. You can't, you don't want it to all be visual. You need to explain it as well. Yeah. That can be a really powerful at a glance tool if they're looking back through a stack and then they see,
1: oh yeah, she had that chart. That was really good. Mm-hmm. then that could be helpful and make yours stand out. That makes sense. Yeah, we use, we sometimes use charts in government, um, but they usually prefer, if if you can summarize it in a paragraph, we're good. But I find it's too easy to skip over details when you don't have that that chart, right? It'll, it just like shows how severe a problem, like this many people have addictions in this area. And right. it's because there's no services in this one area. So how can we... Um, show you that this is really vital to you saving money as well by investing in this.
0: Right. And sometimes it depends, like say you're showing a lot of big numbers over several years time, Mm -hmm. that's going to get pretty bogged down trying to list those out in a narrative Yeah, where a chart would make that super clear Mm -hmm. that you can show all those numbers, all that data all at once. But then in your paragraph, you could summarize as seen from this over a 10 year span it increased by 20 percent yeah so you can kind of show and sometimes it's a matter of you may not find something that says that but if you look at the numbers yourself mm-hmm. you can figure out oh okay this changed by this much yeah and then you can figure out how to word that and interpret it for them make it easy for them Got to you. see and understand
1: okay so that would be my next question I did. I did take your grant writer test on your website, Good. which I love. That was so fun. Good. Thank you. And I'm wondering it, you do notice a part where it's like budgets, ew, what are those? And how often have you found that you need those skills in statistics and finance in order to have a, a leg up when you're offering your services? Has that big factor in your
0: work? you need to have a basic understanding of it. Mm. But as far as the grants themselves, you need to be able to calculate as far as like what would make sense for if we're writing grant for say Mm $10,000, what would make sense to fill out the budget? Where should we allocate the funds? How much should we spend in each category so that it all comes out? And I usually, I pop it in a spreadsheet and sometimes I play with the numbers in the spreadsheet and have the formula at the bottom so I can see, okay, is this too much? I don't want to spend much on salaries. We could use more for equipment, but they said they prefer not Supplies in this particular grant, so you know you can kind of play with those numbers. So as long as you can at least handle the basics, you don't have to run out and get a master's in finance to do it. (laughs) I don't love accounting. Yeah, first to tell you, I don't even like paying bills. It's a necessary (laughs) evil, but (laughs) it sure is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just to say that's not something I enjoy, but I can function, and it's fine as long as you understand it. Yeah, And it may be helpful if you understood, you know, some of the terminology of finance or budgeting, especially as it relates to nonprofit, but as long as you can understand a budget of the income and the expenses yeah. and the basic categories and some of that, a lot of it you'll learn as you go, but if you can handle the mm-hmm. basics, then you will be okay with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I've dabbled in a little bar contract negotiations at work. So I've had to learn. Good. I've had to learn those things, thankfully. But I always wonder just how much does a grant writer have to be a math expert as, as well as like um, a good writer? Because I often find every writer I meet is just allergic to numbers or just like would prefer not to. So,
0: (laughs) unfortunately, there's no allergy shot for that
1: one. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I so wish. I so wish. (laughs) Me
0: too. (laughs) Right. Grant writing kind of sounds like you have to be the top expert at everything. Yes, (laughs) it does. That's not necessarily true. It can be intimidating in that regard,
1: but don't worry. Yes, that's exactly it. Thank you. I definitely like that clarification.
0: (laughs) Yes, I'm looking at your background and I'm listening to the things you're saying you've done. Mm -hmm. Girl, you can do this. You have got this. Really? Yes. (laughs) I so appreciate that. You will learn if you go and that's part of it. That's going to be true of anything. If you started a new job tomorrow in Mm -hmm. your field, you would have to learn a lot. Exactly. So it's just like anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. You'll learn
0: as you go, but you've got
1: a great foundation. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's good to know. Cause I'm just like, who gets into grant writing? Like, it just seems <laughs> like a lot of people, they started as a specialist in whatever they're writing grants for. And so I'm like, Oh, well, I'm not a specialist in anything. So I'm just like, where do I go with this? Like, can I pitch this and actually make it a lucrative income? Cause if I want to transition one day, Out of policy analysis, I want to know, like, could I actually make it happen? (laughs) Right. I think
0: you could. Yes. Awesome. I think you'd be ideal. Thank you. A matter of getting started and trying it and just keeping at it. And don't get devastated if you try one and don't get it. That's okay. That's part of it. Every time you're learning, yeah. so it's not wasted. True. You're learning each time and you're getting better and better. Your writing's improving. You're learning it, the ins and outs of it with each one. So whether you win or not, it wasn't wasted. True.
1: I guess I'd like to know that. I think you mentioned this with Lisa in the last episode, but I think you were saying something like, if you don't get brand, you can still offer something that will make paying for your services worth it. So is your contract that you offer someone like, okay, I'll do this grant for you. um, But if I don't get it, I will still do ABC. Like, how do you, how do you propose that so that to make sure um, you're still delivering a product to them that they want to pay for? The way I look at it more is
0: you are delivering a good product up front when you apply for the grant. Mm. And some of that is going to be the pre-work that you do before you apply. Mm. Like you may be helping them review their mission and vision and goals for their organization. And is this clear? Yeah. Or some of the pre work may be searching for grants to see what's going to be a good fit for you. What are the best opportunities? And that way they can weed out because they may not know what to look for. Mm, Yeah. And which ones they may just say, well, I have a list of 20 grants. Let's try them all and see what happens. Yeah. That's not a good strategy. Yeah. So you can come in as the expert knowing how to quickly weed those out, how to find a list of viable options. Mm -hmm. And then by doing an application and putting together some of their background information, compiling what they've given you, pulling in the research, Mm -hmm. then you've got a really good bank of information you can use on future applications. Yes, And that's going to help make the other applications go more quickly and more smoothly and you're refining it each time. Mm -hmm. So then you can't use cookie cutter Every single one, but you can use a lot of the same information and just customize it for each application. Yeah. So that's the way I approach it, is they understand that there's no guarantee that we can't predict what is gonna happen with this, Mm -hmm. but it is something that you can try to minimize the risk up front by doing some of those things, doing the homework. And I have a guide on my website. One of the tools I have Mm -hmm. is um, a guide to calling grant funders, okay. and kind of a script that walks through that. And that helps to know what to say and what to ask, and sometimes how to really pull out things that will help increase your chances mm-hmm. quite a bit of winning the grant. So just little things like that, when all that expertise is put together, yeah, then that helps. And if you come into that with that confidence of saying, we don't have any guarantees about this grant, but here are the deliverables that we can do together. Oh, I I love that. And some of it you may be able to do in conjunction with other services. Mm -hmm. Like if you're doing some social media or some of those other things for them or helping them with some strategic planning or fundraising or developing donor letters, some of that could come into play as well because you'd be using some of the same research and information. Yeah.
1: So you could package it together to where the
0: grant is just a piece of
1: that. I love that because you get to think so tunnel vision where it's just, it's just about the grant and this is what defines you. And if you can't meet that, then how are you ever going to get another job with another nonprofit or another organization ever again? like It just feels so doomsday. But when you bring up stuff like that, there's been many times where I've helped refine the vision and mission and their story, like just the storytelling of their organization. So that's definitely something I could do. Social media, website development, like these are the things that can help you with. Exactly. And it did to the grants because it's all part of the same thing. It's part of the same system of your nonprofit. So right. that's super helpful. Like I never thought of including all those things in there to market myself. Right. It sounds to me like you'd be an amazing nonprofit consultant. Well, what does that even mean these days, though, Teresa? Because I, whenever I hear a consultant, I'm like, I would love to be one, but I don't really know what that means, like, at all. It, it be, well, and maybe consultant is the right. It could be all those things you just
0: said. Um, yeah. Finding mission, vision, goals, storytelling, donor letters, social media. Mm-hmm. It could be all those. Things. Ah, or, or you I could call that. it something else. If consultant is vague, you could call it a nonprofit marketer or a nonprofit yeah. something else. You know, fill in the blank, whatever word you're comfortable with, nonprofit yeah. writer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could help with their website, their blog posts, the content on there, the donor outreach, their brochures, all kinds of things with your writing background.
1: Very true. Okay. I'm starting to see it.
0: <laughs> that might be something. To do and then the grants could stem from that or you may find yourself so busy with that. It just works
1: out that way. Yeah. I would love to community. I would love to do anything that helps a nonprofit. Like if I can use my writing skills, <laughs> that's what I want to do. I think it's so great. Like, it really intimidates some people doing all like they just want to help people. They're not communications people, they're not grant writers, they're not policy people. So my dream has always been to be the in between of a nonprofit and everything else because it is Yeah, it's hard to navigate it. Right. I think that's great. Thank you. (laughs) There's a need
0: for that. Yeah.
1: Oh, good. Yes. Awesome. Good.
0: I'm glad this is giving you some ideas. So before we wrap up, tell me your next two or three action steps, just so that you kind of have those top of mind
1: before we finish for sure i think i really want to reach out to the fundraising association in my city for sure um, just because i think just getting to hear from people and their experiences i'll become more of an asset because fundraising is not my strong suit and or my natural ability so i definitely want to do that that's my first action item Um, I'd say my second item is like writing out probably listening to this podcast, to be honest, and writing down exactly all these little things that I could package making a list of all my skills that I could offer a nonprofit. Um, and then, I guess continue to work on the readiness for uh, the board that I am sitting on right now, and probably looking at that guy that you were talking about on the I think you said in the podcast you did one on readiness, yes, so I think um maybe i 'll assess the readiness of my board um, so i'm make sure that we 're ready to go when we do get that status, and we do get some establishment going in there right and there's a download
0: on my website that goes with that episode. Okay, I say that because sometimes board members can really get gung-ho of, we need grants, write some grants so we can get our funding off the Mm -hmm. ground. So if you have this download or something a little more objective to come to them and say, Slow down. We're not quite ready yet. We can get there, yeah. but we need to have these things in place first. Got you. That can help you as a tool, as opposed to just saying no, 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 not yet, not yet. That can help <laughs> <Yeah>. you.
1: <laughs> I need. To, I need to like track them with. Okay, this is what we have to do first, and then when right. we're ready, we'll be more likely to get grants, anyways, because right. of those things, right? Soften so. the blow a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I have some personal and some board goals. I'd say the yeah the association readiness for my board, and then writing down all my skills and having confidence in myself. <laughs> yes. That's the biggest yeah.
0: one right there. Cause you yeah. got all the pieces. So yes. Oh, wow. I would say okay. go with it. That feels good. <laughs> and really think about, you said packaging it. I would think about that, of how could you package things for nonprofit? It doesn't have to be grants, but What could you offer as services and sometimes in a package Mm -hmm. in that way, it would be useful for them because they may not have the funds to hire a full-time marketer or a full-time writer for their fundraising, but they could piece out to you every now and then before a fundraising event, or you could be some consultant for a specific aspect and that they could afford that package or a certain service that you offer. So that's the good part about being a consultant and you get to decide how you want to offer that.
1: Well, then I love consulting.
0: (laughs) There you go. So do I. Once you get a taste of it, I bet you won't turn back. I
1: can't wait. I will definitely update you on where it goes because yeah, this has been super helpful and it's just great to talk to someone so seasoned in the field. So really appreciate you doing this podcast. Like It's definitely something I've always looked for. So thank you.
0: Good, you're welcome. I'm glad it's been helpful. Keep in touch and keep me posted on how it's coming yes I will for sure thank you so much Teresa great meeting you are you ready to learn more I have a quiz on my website called do you have what it takes to be a grant writer hop over there and take that and see what your results say go to dot com slash quiz if you love this show and you learn something new about being the type of grant writer the world needs so you can create a ripple in your community please go leave me a review over on apple Podcasts today Thanks for listening. Now go change your world.